With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm mad! Get down with my girlfriend! That ain't right! Give me some of that James Brown. All of that James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Dre is in the house. Uh, welcome into the afternoon. It's just gone one o'clock. Uh, Andre Chevalier is joining us in studio. He's the coach of Sierra Canyon High School. Um, you've won so many awards. Your team have won so many titles. Welcome to New Zealand. What the heck are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be in New Zealand. Uh, just here trying to get the landscape of basketball, trying to understand the New Zealand game, the Australian game, and uh, really to see how much I can, how I can help uh, to continue to expand the game that's growing so quickly. Yeah, look, it's, it's really big in New Zealand, and I know you've been here, what, 24 hours or something like that, but are you getting your hands on any basketballers? Are you getting hands on any coaches in the three days you're here? Uh, definitely. Uh, I have a, a session tomorrow um, with one of the university uh, schools. Uh, and then I know there's a huge uh, tournament here in Auckland that I'm uh, going to go sit and watch and uh, see if I can learn a lot from the uh, uh, New Zealand players and coaches. Have you got your scouts hat on? I definitely have my scout hat on. I'm always, <laughs> always looking for players. So if you are out there, hopefully I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> So how long have you been coaching and what drew you to coaching? Because most coaches have played. Yeah, um, I actually played in college. I had no intentions of ever uh, coaching basketball. I actually went into business and uh, just on a whim, uh, my uh, high school alma mater, the job opened up. Uh, and my boss at the time was like, you should go interview and, you know, see if you can get it. And uh, I was fighting against it, but uh, he pushed me. Uh, and I ended up getting the job, and the rest is history. The rest is history. So coaching for how long now? I um, think I'm going into my 24th year. Still love it? I love it. I love it. I would. I mean, it's not even a job. Uh, I enjoy coaching the kids. I enjoy mentoring the kids. And uh, just watching the game of basketball grow across the world has been a- amazing. Sierra Canyon, what can you tell us about this school? Because I mentioned it to a guy out here. I, he follows American basketball, right? And I thought, he's just walking past my desk and I said, Sierra Canyon. And he turned around and goes, what? <laughs> and I said, we've got Coach Dre in studio. He goes, he didn't believe me for about half an hour. He did not. But so, Kieran, I know you're at home listening now. Um, yeah, it's just quite amazing. What can you tell us about Sierra Canyon High School? Uh, the school, I think, is the perfect combination of athletics, uh, arts, and academics. Uh, we have... I think the best teachers and coaches, uh, you know, in the country uh, and the U.S. Uh, and then culturally, I think it is just a wonderful place uh, for the kids to go to school. Um, you know, it's pristine, um, it's clean, uh, it's very diverse, and you know, the kids are very connected to each other. So for me, uh, it's the perfect place uh, to place your kid. Um, 
I say that too because my daughter actually graduated from the school, so <laughs> I know firsthand uh, how incredible the teachers are and how wonderful the school is. How easy or difficult is it to get into Sierra Canyon? I think these days it's very difficult. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's a waiting list uh, at the school, um, but I think it is a place where you know people want to go. They know the name now. Uh, and then when you actually step on campus, you just feel uh, the love, the connectedness. Um, you feel that the teachers love you. Uh, and I think that is, you know, a lot of the draw. Uh, in addition, you know, uh, our administration is wonderful. Uh, and our head of school, uh, Jim Scrumbus, is, you know, second to none in uh, how he operates the school and runs the school. Coaching kids, mentoring kids. Um, I'd imagine different kids have different drivers. And you've got to find out which which screws to tighten, which taps to turn. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, I think um, there's this quote that says, uh, everybody's treated equally, but not everybody's treated the same, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> I have to find the buttons to push uh, in order to, you know, I think push the, each, each individual player to their best self. Um, you know, some I can talk to, some I have to yell at, some I have to have conversations in my office. Um, but it's all with the same intention, and that is always to push them and love them to greatness. They would have all been parented different before they come come to your school. Um, is it hard to not wear a parent hat and just wear a coach hat sometimes? Uh, I think it's impossible mm -hmm. uh, to to just wear a coach hat. Um, I think you know what I try to do is when we're in practice, when we're in game situation, um, I try to be coach. Um, outside of that, I try to be friend, uncle. Uh, whatever support they need. But, you know, I think this year moving into the year, the mentorship part of it uh, is going to be integral for us uh, to reach our climax as far as how good we can be. Um, so I'm excited to lock into the guys and get to know them at a deeper level. Tell us about the transformation of Sierra Canyon from when you started there to, to where they've got to and, and try and put into perspective for us um, the divisions and the championships that you compete in. Oh, it, it's going to be impossible for me to say <laughs> <laughs> what the breakdown of California basketball is. But uh, we have been lucky enough to be in the open division uh, in Southern California. Um, I think as long as the open division has been in existence and the open division is the top eight, 10, 12 teams uh, for the entire year, regardless of what class they are. And so we've been uh, in the open division uh, prior to me becoming a head coach, uh, we had a great coach, Ty Nichols, who really set the foundation, uh, you know, for what the school was going to be. And we had a group of players that he basically trained and brought up uh, that really took us to the next level. And, you know, when I got the job, I was lucky enough to, you know, bring the group together, uh, connect them. And we were able to win a couple championships in a row, uh, which was a blessing. Would you consider yourself an, <clears throat> an unconventional coach? I, I guess I would say yes to that. Um, you know, I always try to find a way to be different, uh, you know, to coach my group differently, to connect differently. Um, you know, I know they say, like, you know, that, that uh, what do they say, emulation is the greatest, like, form of flattery. And I think that, you know, a lot of people in the game are kind of doing what we were doing early. Uh, and so um, I would say I'm unconventional in that I'm always trying to be cutting edge and different and, you know, give our guys an opportunity not only to play the game, um, but also to grow their brands. Um, and I don't know if you guys know here, but we have NIL uh, in the U.S. for 
high school kids, depending on what state you're in. So if they build their brand early enough, they're able to actually make money uh, and get paid and uh, have the opportunity to support their families and, uh, you know, kind of build their generational wealth at an early age. As high school kids. As high school kids, yes. Wow. Because uh, across, I don't know, it's probably only been 15 years, the, the explosion of social media. And today, um, that can be a real challenge for parents, it can be a real challenge for coaches because kids are on their social media doing all these crazy things and trying to make a name for themselves there. Is that a challenge you shy away from? Is it a challenge you embrace? Uh, I think for us, we try to embrace it, right? Because I think the thing that you try to force the kid to go away from is the exact thing that he's going to be drawn to. Um, So we actually let them uh, embrace the fact that they're growing a brand, but also try to teach them the balance of understanding, you know, when to be focused on that, understanding at a very high level what you can post and what you can't post, uh, and then being able to compartmentalize and, you know, focus on the brand, then focus on academics focus on academics, focus on academics. I'm going to say that three times <laughs> and then focus on basketball. So just, so trying to learn how to balance and manage time, which I think will be critical as they move on to the college level and pro levels, uh, because that's the biggest thing I think kids have to deal with is managing um, their time uh, and understanding where to put their focus. You really treat them like adults, young adults, but adults by guiding, not dictating. Would that be fair? I think that's a great way to put it, yes. Mm. Um, we definitely try to, I mean, in bowling, you know, sometimes when you're not very good, they put the bumpers up yeah. to make sure that <laughs> that your ball go, is going to hit some pins so you have some sort of success. And I think for us, we try to be a bumper um, so that they are, you know, growing, uh, making their own decisions. Um, but they say that, you know, the person – um, the smart person is the person that learns from his own mistakes, but the wise person is the person that learns from others' mistakes. So we try to share with them at a very high level uh, what we did, how we did it, uh, how it worked for us so they don't make the same mistakes and they get to their goals a little faster than we did. Amazing. If anyone out there's got questions for Andre Chevalier, or Coach Dre, we'll call him from now on, it just rolls off the top. In fact, someone's just sent one in, question for Coach Dre. We will take a break. That one and anything else you want to know around the game of basketball, um, coaching, world basketball, the man is here. Put the questions to him. Double eight, double three. that is our text line. Text them in. I'll put them to Coach because I've got plenty as well. Come back in a moment. We are here with, I'll say your full name every now and then, Andre Chevalier, uh, Coach Dre from the Sierra Canyon High School, which is one of the highest performing high schools, not only in basketball, uh, and men's and women's, I will add. Uh, I'm going to bring in the women's side of it as well, but academically very, very good as well. Um, as soon as people send in questions, we're going to ask you, Coach Dre. Uh, here's one. It doesn't say who it's from, but question for Coach Dre. What's the understanding of New Zealand or New Zealand sport over in the States? Uh, I think we have a very high level of understanding of the sports here. Uh, First of all, we know that New Zealand is uh, one of the toughest countries in the world when it comes to athletics and sports. Um, So for us in America, that's a big deal. Um, Obviously, Stephen Adams represents for the country very well in uh, his position in the NBA. Not not just his toughness, but his skill level, his understanding of the game. Uh, IQ is very high. 
Uh, and we definitely know about the All Blacks. So <laughs> <laughs> we definitely have heard the, the the legend of the All Blacks. And so I think, you know, we have a good understanding, but uh, we're, we're definitely at a place where we need to know more and, and have a better understanding of you guys. It's because basketball's here is a, a massive participation sport, like enormous amongst schools. Um, it's not a non-contact sport, but it's way less contact than the two games you can see up here, the rugby league and the rugby. And, and a lot of parents are gravitating their kids towards basketball. It's a bit safer on the concussion side of things and that That's sort it. of things. What's very hard for you to say, because you've only been here a little while, but um, we've got the Tall Blacks, the New Zealand national team at the Worlds at the moment, played USA in the first round. We've never been quite able to take that next step. We did when current coach Piero Cameron got named in the tournament team, I think it was in 2002, something, mm-hmm. something like that. What does a nation like New Zealand need to do to, instead of battling to get out of a group, just get out of a group and then compete in playoffs and stuff? What, what would be the, the main things for you? Yeah, and watching the tall blacks over the last couple of games uh, against the U.S. Uh, and in the game yesterday, they were able to win uh, against Jordan. Um, the execution and the skill is there. Um, I think the thing that separates the United States from everybody else is just their level of athleticism. So we have the ability to combine the athleticism and the skill. Uh, and I think that is really the separating factor. Uh, the Americans uh, are you know, training and working on their skill level for so long. Uh, and then you know, their bodies are just big, fast, strong, quick, and tough. And a combination of that, I think, is what continues to push us over the top. And coaching in America is, um, like here, when, when I'm like six years old to about 15 years old, any sport I played was coached by one of the parents of the team who don't necessarily have a coaching skill set, got the enthusiasm, we wouldn't have a team without them, they're very valuable, it's a very volunteer-centric part of our sports for kids in New Zealand. Volunteers, incredibly important. I'm not poo-pooing them at all. But in the US, um, young kids in single digits, you know, nine-year-olds, are being coached by a coach, not a teacher, not a parent, but a coach. Yeah, I think in the US, um, you know, there is is a a business of coaching uh, and a profession of coaching. And I think at an early age, uh, people have decided that they want to be coaches. And so they go into the profession wanting to learn uh, and then actually going down either to volunteer or to support a club team. Uh, we, we have what we call club teams in the U.S. that are kind of like AAU teams or um, not, not, not school teams, but, you know, developmental teams outside of that. Of school age kids, though. Yes, of mm-hmm. school age kids. <clears throat> And, you know, there are, there are coaches who want to eventually coach in college or want to be prof- professional high school coaches. There are coaches that are already working with the kids at that age. Um, don't get me wrong. There are a few parents who volunteer, but for the most part, uh, it is people who have played the game, who have studied the game, uh, and who are intentional about becoming coaches at some level. So you're getting kids at 15 years old, something like that, is yes. sort of your youngsters. They would have had, and you're a professional coach at a high school. Yes. You're employed as a basketball coach. Yes. And all the other things that come with that. Absolutely. <laughs> but these 15-year-olds have already had professional coaches in their, on their path to you, right? Absolutely. Um, I mean, we have professional coaches at our middle school, 
Um, we have coaches that are in those like AAU club teams uh, that have played the sport, that understand the sport at a very high level, and that are teaching the, the kids the skills that are very critical um, to becoming uh, elite um, high school athletes and players. I want to ask you about the evolution of coaching since you've been at uh, Sierra Canyon. And even before that, you've said you've coached it for 20-plus years. Um, outside presses, social media, um, awareness of mental health situation nowadays. Um, so you have to grow as a coach if you want to help these kids to grow as players. Oh, absolutely. I think that uh, you know we know these days that change is very constant. Uh, and so as the game evolves, we have to evolve as coaches, right? Um, we have to look at the game to see how it's being played. You know, when I first started coaching, uh, you know, the big man was a very integral part of the game. And now you know there's very few people that are really posting up and that have big men sitting down on a block. And so if you don't evolve, um, I think you'll get caught and you become stagnant. And so there's always constant evolution in the game. Um, definitely mental health, health is a huge part of it. Now, these days, recovery is a huge part of it. When I was young, nobody really focused on recovery. They're like, you're young. You're a bounce back. It's not, <laughs> it's not a big deal. Don't worry about stretching. Uh, but now the stretching, the recovery, uh, you know, the, the cold pools, the warm pools, um, you know, the yoga, the meditation stuff uh, is a very integral part of the game. And I, and I think that's great, right? Mental health. Uh, and recovery, taking care of your, your mental and your physical uh, is very important. But you always have to evolve as a person, as a player. And you take your kids on retreats and stuff like that. And is, does that strengthen the connections off the court? Because if you got harmony off the court, do you get harmony on the court? Oh, for us, yes. We think that the, the cohesiveness of the group, the connectedness, connectedness of the group is vital to our success on the court. Um, so we always are trying to find ways to build camaraderie, uh, team barbecues, team retreats, um, opportunities for us to, to dive deeply into things that are not basketball related, pressing issues um, that's in the media, uh, things that are happening in the community, how we can help the school and community. Uh, when we're on those retreats, we can have deep conversations about that. Um, on our retreats, we don't do basketball, wow. right? It's strictly about having conversations, connecting, having fun, uh, and just building that brotherly love. And sisterly love. You've got a very high-caliber coach of your women's program um, over there at Sierra Canyon as well. How do the men support the women, women support the men, and enhance each other's performances? Well, first let me say her name is Alicia Kamaki. Yes. Um, she's a great coach. Uh, I often steal from her, uh, so that's probably one of the reasons why I'm as good as, as I am is because they say that iron sharpens iron, and I and I think that uh, she definitely does a great job of sharpening me and teaching me uh, high levels of the game. Um, you know, she's, she's very elite. Uh, her team won the national championship last year. It's the first, I think, in our school history wow. uh, that we've had a national championship, so definitely kudos to her, um, you know, for doing that, but... Uh, you know, not not just Alicia. I think all of the coaches at Sierra Canyon are elite. Um, our football program run by John Allinghouse is, you know, definitely one of the top uh, in the state and uh, in the country now. And so I think the, you know, the, the sports across the board at Sierra Canyon uh, ha has been great. Uh, Rock Pillsbury uh, has done a great job as our athletic director uh, of building a wonderful program and uh, and allowing us to be great in our own right. But Alicia... 
I, I don't know what I would do without her. She coached my daughter. Uh, my daughter is currently playing at Texas Tech, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if she would uh, be as an elite uh, of point guard uh, if she didn't play for Alicia Kamaki. So thank you, Coach. Thanks, Coach. We're going to post this podcast for you, Coach. This is a big, warm, heartfelt shout-out to you, <laughs> Coach. <laughs> um, got a text in from Josh talking about um, NBA, play, NBA teams have a pretty, by and large, a settled roster of your starting five for quite a long time. Your roster is forever changing um, as they leave school. How do you build legacy? How do you be, build um, connection to the school with an ever-changing roster? I think the main thing that you can do as an elite coach is, is create a culture that is everlasting. Um, no matter who comes through the doors, the culture of the program, the culture of the school has to stand strong. And so that's what we really focus on um, as coaches, a, a, as players, is like living to the standard of the culture. Um, you know, So we have people who are seniors who leave and we hope that they have taught the culture to the juniors, sophomores, and freshmen so that when they walk out of the door, uh, the people who are returning, they understand the culture, but not only understand it, but they start to find ways to take it to the next level. Uh, and so for us, we actually have written our culture down so our players and coaches understand what the culture is uh, and, and they can live it uh, and abide by it, right? Um, I think, you know, I always tell them it's their responsibility to live the culture and it's my responsibility to uphold the culture but as long as they're living it I, I rarely have to say much mm-hmm. um, Brag a little bit for me please some <laughs> of your most successful alumni I, I'm going to get in trouble here because I'm going to forget somebody <laughs> I know I am uh, we have so many people in the NBA and we're blessed to be able to say that they've come to Sierra Canyon uh, Marvin Bagley uh, is in the NBA, I think, playing for Detroit. Cassius Stanley was in the NBA, uh, playing for Indiana. Uh, Dwayne Washington last was playing for Phoenix Suns. Um, Zaire Williams plays for Memphis Grizzlies. Kenyon Martin Jr. plays for the Clippers. Uh, Brandon um, Brandon Boston Jr. plays for the Clippers. Wow. Um, I'm going to forget somebody. Well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll let you off the hook because we have to go to news. So you, you haven't forgotten any. I've just cut you off. <laughs> Thank you Okay, so for you boys out there that you got missed off, um, it's because we've got to take the news. Any co- uh, questions for Coach Dre on basketball or just any sport? Because coaching is about inspiring, empowering, and putting those rubber markers up on the 10-pin bowling alley and just guiding them to hit some pins. He's more than happy to help out our Kiwi volunteers, coaches, whatever. Double eight, double three. give us a text, and we'll get to your questions and mine after the news. i got Coach Dre from Sierra Canyon here looking up at the big screens at the Warriors and the All Blacks going, damn, I want some of those young men in my yes. high school basketball yes. team. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, we talked about earlier... Earlier on, you've got sons of the likes of Penny Hardaway, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Scottie Pippen, um, nephew of Derek Fisher, have all come to the school. Uh, and I just mentioned to ch- during the news, be cool to be LeBron James' son, but man, it'll chuck some challenges at you. T- tell us about Bronny James and the type of human he is, regardless of LeBron being his dad and the pressures he has. Oh, man, I, I think he has great pressures, but uh, the, the thing about Bronny, he has been wonderful in how he manages everything. Uh, he's such a humble kid, uh, a wonderful kid, 
and, and I think that's a credit to the way that uh, his mother and father have raised him. Um, I, I don't know how he handles it so gracefully, uh, but he's been wonderful uh, as a man uh, and as a basketball player, just his development uh, and evolution as a player uh, has just taken leaps and bounds over the four years that he's been with me. Uh, I, it was a privilege and honor uh, for me to coach him at a high level. How good could he be? Oh, definitely NBA mm. uh, level. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll continue to develop and grow, uh, and I cannot wait to see uh, him take his talents to the highest level. And there's all that talk that LeBron's holding on until he can play with Bronny for a season in the NBA and then hang it up. Do you reckon that's got... Has that got legs, that story? <laughs> I have no idea, but if anybody can manage, LeBron is the person that can <laughs> that can stay in the league and, until his kids get there. So uh, I'm excited to see what the future holds. Who impresses you in the NBA? Like, there, there's so many amazing players have come through, and you know, I just reel off you know, my favorites over the times, like Allen Iverson, Reggie Miller. Joe Dumas, you know, I like I like the little shooters and stuff like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Who, who are the complete players, do you think, at the moment that have got their mind, they've got their body? We talked about skill, athleticism. These are the best of the best, but who's, who's your podium at the moment? I think it's so tough right now because uh, there's so much young talent in the league uh, to really, you know, kind of pick one. Um, you know, but, but Devin Booker, uh, I think, pops out in my mind. Um... You know, I, I think, you know, all, all of the players who are currently on the USA team right now, um, I think are very elite. You know, I like the guys who are, you know, who are defensive-minded as well as offensive-minded. I mean, you have to, like, really look at, you know, a talent like Kevin Durant, um, who, you know, back in my day would have been a center, mm. um, but at seven foot is able to play the guard position at such a high level uh, and has such great skill. Uh, and so I just think that, you know, the, the game is just in such great hands as you look at the younger players and uh, where the league is going uh, currently. Where do you think the game's going to go? If you had a crystal ball and could look at, look at it, I mean, we've seen, we've seen teams in recent years, they live and die on the three-point line, um, and mm-hmm. 20 years ago they didn't. Um, where do you see the game going? I think the game, like there's ebbs and flows in the game, right? Where you know sometimes you know it's uh, it, you know you're we're looking to throw the ball into the post, and there's a big post presence. Uh, currently, the game is played on a perimeter uh, where there's a lot of three-point shooters, and the game is so open. Um, so I'm curious to see if there's going to be a big man that comes along that forces the league to shift back to being. Uh, one where the ball gets thrown into the post, uh, you know, quite often. Uh, but I, I'm just ex- excited to see where the game goes as a whole uh, because the players get bigger, stronger, faster, uh, which we expect. But they're so skilled these days. I mean, everybody can do everything. So it's an exciting time. We had a few questions come through text, but Scott from Taranaki has called up. Welcome in, Scott. Hey, g'day, guys. Hey, my question is a broad brush, I guess you would say. In New Zealand at the moment, through New Zealand sport and high performance and whatnot, there's, a, there's, a, there's been um, you know, PDFs sent out around kids specialising too early and also finding that uh, there's too much pressure on them and things like that. And I guess what the question is for me is, do you have that in, uh, in, in America and things like that where kids are finding pressure put on them now with professional sport and the likes that they're having to specialise early and 
dedicate themselves to particularly one sport? And do you think that's detrimental to the children's growth in other sports as well, that they are just going that one way? And do you, are you seeing more failures than you are successes with that happening? Because it's an interesting one around here. Schools in New Zealand now are, are really targeting kids and seeing them, you know, hey, you have to be a, a cricketer and that's all you are now versus a cricketer in the summer and a rugby player in the winter. How, what's your take on it from an overseas perspective about what is the right way to go about uh, your kid's future, I guess? Great question, Scott. Uh, we are definitely in the same place as you where uh, a lot of kids are specializing in sport. Um, I think they are uh, feeling the pressure, right, because, you know, they say get better every day. So they feel the pressure of staying locked into one sport. Um, me, because I'm at such a small school, um, we value the athlete that plays multiple sports. Uh, and we think that those that play multiple sports are just as successful or more uh, because their, their muscle groups are not breaking down at the same level of somebody who is playing a particular sport and using those same muscle groups all of the time, right? I think there's something to playing multiple sports and building different muscle groups and, you know, keeping your body healthy uh, and, and working on skills in other sports that can translate to your game. Uh, so we are definitely feeling that same pressure, uh, as you guys hear, of specializing. Um, but I think there is definitely valuable to play in multiple sports. Um, and, and if, you know, we talked about, you know, recovery earlier, uh, if they are specializing, uh, but they are focusing on recovery and mental health, um, I think it's okay, but definitely playing multiple sports is a good thing. Thanks for the question, Scott. Great question. Uh, Scott from Taranaki, we've got one here from Mikey. He's from Christchurch. Hi, Steffi. For Coach Dre, Razor. So Razor's going to be uh, Scott Robertson. He's going to be All Black coach next year. It's already been announced. He's coach from next year. So mm-hmm. after the World Cup, okay. Scott Robertson. So he's been pretty open about looking at coaches of other sports for inspiration. Does Coach Dre look at other sports for coaching inspiration? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I try to learn a little bit from as many people as possible. Um, I definitely look at, uh, you know, coaches within my own sport, uh, elite level college coaches, high school coaches, pro coaches. Um, but I also think there's value in uh, how the football coaches in America run their teams and how they motivate the teams and the toughness that they talk about. Um, I watch women's sports uh, you know, whether that's volleyball, uh, basketball, to try to steal from them. I think that, you know, in the women's game, you know, the purity of, of the game of basketball is probably there because they execute and play team basketball so well. Uh, but I think for me, um, learning from other sports, uh, stealing ideas, stealing motivational ideas and thoughts uh, has been something that's been uh, valuable for me over my career. Awesome. Um, one from Mark said, what's it like coaching players from completely different backgrounds and cultures? And he's given, for example, Stephen Adams compared to Zion Williams. You know, very different cultures. I mean, I think that that word culture is, is a great word, right? Because we talked about that earlier, how a culture can be um, something that's wonderful for a program. And I think it can be all-encompassing, right? Because it welcomes everybody. And for me, I think that Diversity is a great thing, right? If I can learn from from the New Zealand culture, the Australian culture, and add that to my American culture, I think it only makes me better. It doesn't take away from who I am or what I am. I think it just adds to. And so, you know, for me, having multiple cultures on one team, um, I think is a wonderful thing. And I think it really teaches the kids 
how to navigate how to navigate people and how to navigate you know if and when they start traveling the world got a few one from richard and there's a couple other similar theme we have a quite a bit of drop off and participation in sport when kids leave school, so 17, 18 years old, and we see a drop-off. Um, very engaged at school in that <clears throat> in that regime. Uh, there are clubs they can go to, but they don't take that step. What what happens in the US schools, because you, you have middle school, you have high school, you have college, yep. and if they don't make the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, the MLB, does it drop off, or are, are there organised sports for them to stay involved? Oh, I think there's a huge drop-off, uh, especially after – people are done with the university level, right? Uh, most people are starting to move into their uh, other careers. Um, you know, if they're doctors, if they're business people, um, they have they start to have more focus on that part of their life and that part of their career. We have what we call uh, adult leagues, right? Where, I mean, it's basically teams that are put together for fun, yeah. uh, just for camaraderie, for brotherhood, for sisterhood. Uh, they just play for fun, hang out with each other, uh, play some games, go eat dinner, and you know, kind of build friendship and family around that. But it's it's a huge drop off as well. We'll take one last break before we let Coach Dre go and enjoy New Zealand for a couple more days. Any more questions? I've got two more here from listeners. You can add to them, or I've got some more. We'll stick around. Come back with Coach Dre after this. Look, you know, I think you are all wonderful listeners, but as per usual. The questions come flying in towards the end of the hour and we will never get through them. So, Coach Dre's been very kind to say he'll stay on after one o'clock, uh, after two o'clock, just for, just for another 15 minutes so we can get through them all. Big question here for Coach Dre. What would be the best way to turn New Zealand culture mindset to being more positive on professionalism at school level sports? It's a bit stigmatised here that it's seen as a negative thing to put that pressure and responsibility onto school-aged children. I personally see TV broadcast and scholarships as a positive for any youth looking towards elite level, though I feel here in New Zealand it's seen in a very negative way. Our top boys' college rugby and broadcast issues, etc. What would be the most positive thing you could say to turn that stigma around? Poof! Wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, I, I just think that, uh, you know, as sport evolves, um, people will start to see the importance and significance of starting out um, at an early age, right? At, at the, the primary grade levels, I think it's important that the kids have balance, right? And then as they move up, if they want to specialize in a sport and, you know, having the infrastructure there to be able to allow them to focus on that sport and grow, um, when, when you're dealing with kids, right, and they have dreams of something, you always want to support that dream. And finding, you know, a foundational way to be able to do that at an early age, um, I think is great. So putting in a little bit more time and a little bit more money and resources into the development of the primary school programs, I think is where you need to start. Um, we talked earlier about, you know, like the importance of coaching, right? Do some more coach training. Uh, and preparedness for, you know, the development of, of uh, primary school coaches uh, so that they're getting the, the, the level of training and coaching that they need at an early age, right? I think, um, you know, RDK International uh, is bringing, you know, myself and Alicia Kamaki out to New Zealand um, and, you know, Australia uh, as individuals to help with the coaching, but also our teams are coming 
Uh, and so, you know, just doing things like that where, um, you know, people, the kids are able to watch uh, elite-level sports and be trained by elite-level coaches, I think is a wonderful thing. Great answer. Because I feel like American kids, the wiring of American kids and society in America prepares them more better at a younger age. I'll give you an example. We've got a boxing promoter that lives in New Zealand here. And he said, if you're in New Zealand and you drive a Ferrari and you pull up next to a bar, everyone goes, who's that dick? Who's that? Who's that? Who does he think he is? Mm -hmm. In Las Vegas, you drive up in a Ferrari, people will cheer and go, I want to be that guy. You're you're the man. Like, like we have massive tall poppy here. You guys feed the tall poppy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't. I, I can't speak negatively about New Zealand because I don't know <laughs> the culture very well. Uh, but we're, we are we're definitely like, we in America. We overdo humble. We overdo yeah. humble. Yes, we are. We are definitely elevating the people who are successful in America. Right? We're not. We're not looking at down at them. Uh, we're trying to find ways to emulate them. And so I think that that for us uh, is a motivational force. Uh, you know, when it comes to us achieving the things that we want to achieve or setting goals to achieve greatness is because we want to be driving the Ferrari one day, Mm. right? Not Mm. everybody in America, but a lot of people, you know, aspire to having a wonderful life and being famous. Uh, And, you know, in America, we don't look down upon that. We, we, uh, I'm probably, probably a little too much, maybe even worship the people who are driving uh, the Ferrari. So I think there's definitely a, a balance (laughs) that needs to be had. But we don't we don't feel like there's anything wrong with people being elite uh, and and achieving levels of greatness. We'll take our last break before the news. We'll be back with Coach Stray shortly. Right. So New Zealand basketball's come through. We have the assistant coach of the Tall Blacks joining us straight after the news. So I'm going to keep Coach Dre here. It's going to be Coach Dre. He's going to be my co-host, and he can ask the searching questions of the Tall Black assistant coach. Let's how, do it. How good is that going to be, Dre? <laughs> It's going to be very exciting. I have great questions to ask. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, we've got two minutes to the news, so a two-minute answer to this. What age should kids be exposed to national competition? Um, I suspect in the States it's more like a state competition. You know, yes. New Zealand would be like a state of America. At what age would they be ready for a state competition? Oh, well, I mean, our kids are playing uh, nationwide competition probably at age... 10, 11, 12. We, we have national tournaments um, that they can win a national tournament, national championship um, at an early age. So they are getting developed um, and feeling the pressure uh, of winning, uh, the pressure of playoff games, of championship games at a very early age. So um, I think, you know, anytime you can give a kid experience at uh, feeling the pressure of, you know, taking a winning shot, taking a winning free throw, um, and even our coaches – uh, the ability to be in critical situations, to be able to draw up a play. I mean, I think it helps everybody across the board. So, I mean, I would say 10 and 11. One quick fire question. We've still got one minute. Um, what's the big, what, what's the fun difference between being a player and a coach? Oh. Or is that too deep? I think, no. <laughs> so the, t- sometimes the toughest part for me is to, to having to stand on the sideline when the action is going on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like I want to be out there dribbling the ball and making the right pass. But, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, as a player, you're so in the action that you're not really like, you know, thinking. It's just you being in the moment. 
And then on the sideline as a coach, you're always thinking about how can I help the player? What small thing can I do? Great stuff, Coach Dre. Righto, um, appreciate that. We've got lots of questions now. Um, this is from Bob in Wellington. Hi, guys. I hear several Bible quotes in Coach's Philosophy. Is Sierra Canyon a Christian school and or is it part of the basketball program? And if so, how do you get buy-in from, this, from the team? <laughs> uh, Sierra Canyon is not a Christian school. Um, I didn't know I was preaching the Bible I here, but <laughs> <laughs> I must have a very good foundation, um, you know. But I mean, I think just we we just try to you know uh, be loving and you know secure the the kids and make sure that they're um, healthy and well um, at the highest level. Um, so we just try to do right by the kids and love the kids. And I mean, I think you know uh, you know the foundation of the Bible uh, is loving and taking care taking care of your neighbor. And, you know, so we just try to do that all the time at a high level. We were talking about the 10-year-olds playing national championships and state championships. Someone said, and how many of those 10-year-olds make it to the NBA? Less than 0.001%. But it's not – you don't play basketball at high school and college. I mean, that's the dream. But everyone knows, like, 0.001% make it. But it does help create them and fulfill them and prepare them for adulthood being part of a team. At 100%, uh, you know, the the lessons that you learn through the game, right, they're very indicative of life. And so you learn time management. You learn discipline, right? You learn how to give your all to something. And sometimes realizing that giving your all doesn't always mean that you are going to get what you want, right? It, it teaches you, you know, to always to continue to, to persevere and move forward. So, yes, there's a small number of people that make the NBA or play basketball um, professionally, but that doesn't mean that you want to like stop them from dreaming uh, and having the vision of, of becoming that one person. And if you don't reach that goal, then these things and lessons prepare you for other areas of life. We've got a life member of the show. His name's Zaid. We get him in every now and then to preview the UFC. Champion bloke, he sent in a question for Coach Dre. Uh, uh, what do you think about how big university sport is in America compared to New Zealand, where you don't hear virtually nothing about university sport in New Zealand? Um, that's part A of his question. University sport is huge. Oh, university sports in America is a huge uh, thing. It's a very big business. Um, and, I mean, I think it's just wonderful for, you know, the morale of the country, right, when you can uh, have university teams representing states and cities, uh, having people who are connected, the alumni to those people. And, uh, and, and I just think it generates so much, you know, uh, money, business opportunity for smaller towns and smaller cities as well. So, uh, for us, it's a wonderful thing. Um, I, I'm so looking forward to like the growth of university sports uh, in New Zealand and Australia. Um, you know, I'm just excited to like kind of, you know, push it forward, be a part of it, uh, continue to have RDK International continue to like bring people here, bring experiences here, uh, so that the universities can see exactly what the American game does uh, for a country, for a city, uh, for a state. Because I've met, I, I particularly remember this one day, I met a couple from south New Jersey or somewhere, and they'd stopped and watched some cricket, and they couldn't figure out the rules about how cricket works, so I explained it to them. And I said, oh, so you, do, do you follow the nets? And they said, no, we followed our college. 
Yeah. And these guys were like in their 60s. And for 40 years, they'd followed their college. That was their team. Didn't follow the NBA, the NHL, the NFL. Followed their college team. And I said, why? And they said, every town's got a university. And yes. every university's got a league of equivalence. So you get competition, you get equal competition. And you might win a fourth grade university league, but the fans celebrate that like crazy. It is, again, a wonderful thing. And I think it is just really something that the city and that the state and, and you know, uh, can really be galvanized around. Uh, and I think there's connection that, that happens through your connection with your local team that, like, you know, could lead into business opportunities, that can lead into connection uh, in so many other areas. So, I, like I said, I think it's a wonderful thing. And I, I definitely look forward to seeing it grow over the next couple of years in uh, New Zealand, Australia. Last question I ask, well, this has been sent through, and I ask a lot of American people in sport. Why is it called the World Series when only America play in it? <laughs> That's so funny that you say that because a track star just said the same thing about the NBA championship. Why is it called the World Championship when they don't compete against the world? I'm going to say I think that because we think that we're the best in the world. Oh, we do too. In America. But you don't have to say it. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> when you're good at what you do, you don't mind. And these know, the difference. Put it out there that we believe we're the best. And if you win this league, then you're the best in the world. And I think that's what basketball and baseball, that's what they do. Fair, fair. Hey, Coach Ray, I've absolutely loved uh, We've had an hour and a quarter with you. I know the listeners have loved I've loved having you in here too. You. And you've quite enjoyed doing radio, I get the feeling. It's, it's been great. Uh, before I go, I want to make sure I thank RDK International again uh, for bringing me over to do, you know, coaching clinics and, and sessions here. And then for, you know, when we come back in uh, August with the girls and boys basketball team, so looking forward to coming back to uh, to New Zealand. That's right. You're bringing your team to New Zealand to play yes, games. the boys and girls basketball team and maybe the football team eventually uh, will come over and uh, and play and uh, allow teams to watch and, and do Q&As and let the players connect with each other and, you know, just continue to do what we can to uplift everything that's happening in the game of basketball here. Appreciate everything you're doing, Coach Dre. Thanks heaps for your time today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.